Welcome once again to City Church. Um, if you are with us today for the first time, I just want to reiterate uh, what Jimmy just said. And uh, ushers, you guys grab a seat. We're actually going to be doing uh, the offering at the end of service today. Um, but uh, Jimmy just uh, welcomed our guests and said, hey, fill out the connection card if you're first time. And, and we do that every week. And, and sometimes I forget the significance of that. Um, but I am uh, I'm doing a wedding this Saturday in North Carolina for a guy that I went to high school with. Uh, who, who's finally taken the plunge and, uh, and taken that step. And so I've been doing premarital counseling for him and his fiance over Skype. Uh, and, and so I talked to them, and, and this last session this week was the spiritual session. Like, where are you guys at spiritually? Uh, how are you going to operate in, in your marriage? Those types of things. And um, I, I knew Chad pretty well in high school, but we haven't honestly kept in touch very much at all. And so I was trying to figure out where he was at. And they live in a, in a small town in North Carolina, kind of in the, in the hills, and uh, very, I guess you could call it a, a hillbilly town. And uh, he, he told me a story that he had visited this one church one time, and it was of a particular denomination, but I, I won't mention that. But he said, I went to this church, and uh, the, the pastor looked at everybody, and he said, I am so tired of people coming here, men not wearing suits, women not wearing dresses, disrespecting the house of God like this. Uh, and, and so he said, I never went back. Uh, but he said, before that happened, I had already filled out the information. Uh, and so he said, they come to my house every week. Uh, and, and the last time they came to my house this past week, he said, the pastor looked at me and said, if you don't start coming to our church again, you're going to burn in hell. Uh, like literally this happened. Uh, and, and so I, I just want to take a second. This isn't even in my notes for today, but I just feel led to say this. Number one, if you fill out a connection card at City Church, we ain't coming to your house. Um, so you, you, can, you can have that breath. Like, we're not going to show up there. Uh, we're not going to tell you you're going to burn in hell because you haven't been to our church. Uh, we, we believe not only does church not get you to heaven, but if church did get you to heaven, there's other churches that would be able to. So you don't have to come here to know Jesus. Um, knowing Jesus is, is so much bigger than your church attendance. Um, but, but it also just reminded me, and, I, and it it broke my heart because this girl, her name's Jennifer, we're sitting there over Skype, and I've literally never met her except through a computer screen. Um, I'll meet her this week for the first time face-to-face. Um, and she's in tears because of the way that she's been hurt by churches. girl who, who loves God, wants to please him, wants to honor him, but it's like, I don't even know what to do. I don't even know what steps to take because then we went through this whole list of things that happened. I don't have time to tell you everything. Um, it reignited my passion that we have to do this thing right, guys. That, that it is possible for us to be a healthy church. It is possible for us to be a life-giving church. Uh, and, and I think we're good on, in most of those things. But, but it, it reminded me how important it is because there's a lot of hurting people out there like Jennifer. There's a lot of people who have been burned. Uh, there, there's a lot of people who've been told you're going to hell because you didn't wear a suit. Really? Like, I'm wearing a suit to their wedding, right? And that's about the only time I wear a suit at this point, weddings and funerals. Um, and and I, the idea that somehow that has anything to do with whether I'm right with God or not just, just blows my mind. And so I just want to, as your pastor, uh, I want to, number one, thank you that, that I've never had somebody tell me that, hey, somebody from your church gave me an impression like that. So thank you guys. But, but number two, I just want to continue to encourage you guys, man. Let, let's love people. And Jesus loved people and and we've got to to set aside whatever our personal preference is or the way that we think stuff should be done and go after people 
um, and, and love on people. And, and lastly, I want to just ask you this. If you guys would pray with me, because not with me, but for me this week, because I know Chad and Jennifer are they're hungry for God, but they're not in a really close place to God right now. They, they, they've been away from God for a long time, and I'm going to have some opportunity this week, I think, to, to maybe help reconnect them. Um, and I need wisdom. I want the right words to say. Um, I, I think it's very important that when we know that, that somebody has been hurt, um, that, that as Christians, especially when the church has hurt somebody, we need to be the agents of reconciliation. We need to be the people to, to go after them, to, to, to do everything that we can to, to heal that hurt and, and to reconnect people uh, to their maker. So that's nothing to do with my message today, nothing to do with the announcements today, but just something that has been on my heart the, the last few days. And then when Jimmy talked about first-time guests, I was like, you know what, let's just do this because this just, just happened. Like, we're not making this stuff up. This stuff is still happening in America, which blows my mind. So all that being said, we do have some, some cool things going on we want to make you aware of. Uh, tonight, we are doing our worship night and potluck starting at 5 o'clock. Uh, so, man, come back and join us this evening. Bring a, an entree or a side. Church has got a whole bunch of awesome desserts already ready to go and uh, some beverages lined up, so don't worry about bringing those, but bring an entree or a side at 5 o'clock. Uh, and then about 6 o'clock, we're going to transition into worship. We'll have child care available for 5 and under starting at 545. Uh, so five and under can come in and eat with us and hang out with us. And then at 545, we'll have child care for them uh, if you want, or they're welcome to stay with us in the worship night as well. Uh, so that's coming up tonight. Man, it's going to be awesome. I'm so looking forward to this. The last one was amazing, and I know God's going to move in a great way tonight as well. Um, also, next steps, if you are, are, are interested in taking the next step at City Church, getting involved, getting plugged in, beginning to serve, if you want to know more about what we believe, who we are, how is our church structure set up. Next Steps begins next Sunday morning at 9.30. You can get signed up for that at the Connection Center today. Um, it runs three Sunday mornings at 9.30 during first service, um, and then the final Sunday, part four, is after second service. We have lunch together. Um, you signing up for Next Steps does not commit you to join the church. It just says, hey, I, I want to get more information. And I know some of you, we just had a Next Steps about two months ago, uh, and some of you had to miss a couple different sessions, so you can catch those up uh, this time around, uh, and if you're not sure which ones you missed or whatever, let me know, and I can help you fill in the blanks which ones to be here for. But we want to help everybody to take those steps to get plugged in. Also, October the 18th, which is a week from this coming Tuesday night, uh, we are for the first time ever going to do a, a man-up night. We're doing a service for our men. Uh, we're going to have free food uh, at 6.30. We'll have dinner together, uh, have some burgers and, uh, and whatnot, and then um, transition into a time of, of worship together as men. This is something I'm super fired up for, I'm super pumped for, um, really, really looking forward to this. this, not this Tuesday night, but the following Tuesday. So if you are a man uh, or soon to be one, uh, this is also, if you're under 18, you're welcome to come as well. Uh, but uh, if you are in that category, um, I really encourage you to be here. F find a way to make this work with your schedule. Um, we, we had a planning meeting this past Friday for this, and uh, our, our team, our core team that's putting this together is pumped. I'm pumped. I really believe this is going to be a hugely impactful night. So mark that on your calendar, uh, October the 18th. Uh, and then last but not least, uh, when you came in today, you probably saw an orange sheet in your seat. Uh, these are our Fall Fest 2016 uh, invites, flyers, etc. Uh, Fall Festival is coming up, uh, what is that, 
four weeks from today, October the 30th, no, three weeks from today, October the 30th, it'll be in on Pam's property, just uh, straight up 305 from here. Directions are here on the bottom as well as the address. Uh, we've got games, cakewalk, uh, chili cook-off, wings cook-off, bonfire, hayride, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, if you want to get signed up for any of those things, we have a sign-up sheet at the Connection Center. Uh, it's one sheet for Fall Fest, and it has a bunch of different check boxes. So you can check, hey, I want to do wings. Hey, I want to do chili. Hey, I want to bring a cake, uh, donate a cake for the cakewalk, which is to raise money for the, our youth ministry, the 662. I uh, want to help clean up, tear down afterwards. Whatever that might be, if you want to volunteer to get plugged in uh, for our Fall Fest, that's the way to do it. So swing by the Connection Center. Uh, sign up to enter one of the cook-offs. We have big prizes and tons of fun with that. Uh, and in the event of rain, if it does rain out like last year, we will have Fall Fest right here at the church at the same time, 4.30 on October the 30th. And that will be updated on the church website and Facebook if we have to make that decision. So uh, hopefully uh, it will not rain on us and we will be able to do it there and uh, have a blast. So all of that is coming up. Today we are kicking off a brand new series called Timeless. We are, we're going to spend three weeks in this series talking about timeless. And we live in this, this trendy world, uh, and even in a trendy world, I believe the best things in life are timeless. The, the trends are, are big in, in so many areas. There's musical trends and fashion trends and entertainment trends and technological trends. Um, I have in my hand an iPod. I don't know if you guys remember when the iPod came out in 2002, but it, some of you weren't even born yet. But in, in 2002, when the iPod came out, this thing was huge. This was it. Everybody wanted one. Everybody had to have one. Um, and, and they kept on coming out with new ones. Like they had the mini and they had the nano. And then they had the video. And the video was like it. Uh, and, and it's amazing because here we are 14 years later and Nobody has an iPod. Like, the only people that have iPods are, like, kids who aren't allowed to have phones. Uh, they might have an iPod, but, but rest of us, we don't carry our music on an iPod anymore. We carry our music on our phone, right? Like, this thing has pretty much been made obsolete. But it was a huge, huge trend. In fact, it was such a big deal. Back in 2002, I was uh, in my second year of internship at Church on the Move in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And my second year of internship, we opened up a new youth ministry facility. Uh, we, the 180 was our youth ministry, and we opened up a building dedicated to youth ministry. It's, it's amazing. It was 92,000 square feet uh, set aside just for young people and had everything that, that young people could want, video games and pool tables and amazing auditorium and cafe and, and just so many cool things uh, to attract young people. But uh, the, the building was so great and so unique. There was no church in America that had anything like it that people would fly in from across the country to check it out and get ideas for their church. How can we organize, how can we set our youth ministry building up? And so I was, in my second year of internship, um, and been appointed to do the VIP tours. They decided that I was the best tour guide of our interns, of, of our apprentices, of our second-year interns. And so anytime it was somebody that, that, that really mattered to our leadership that we really wanted to impress, they put me in charge, which was not a good decision, as you shall see. Uh, so, so the first stop on our tour, actually the second stop, first was registration to desk, and then the second stop 
was an iPod counter. iPods had just come out, and we actually had to explain iPods to people on the tour. This is how new this was. Older people uh, that would come and check this stuff out, they weren't even sure what an iPod was or how it worked. So there was a tour group that came in from Sacramento, California. Um, they flew in on a, on a private jet, uh, and it was the lady's name, the youth pastor, was Jeannie Mayo. And Jeannie uh, was a lady that I grew up admiring in a great way. She spoke at youth conferences when I was a kid. In fact, um, she had spoken at a conference that uh, was really, really impactful for, for my life and my brother's life not long before this. So I was just geeked out, excited. Like, this is, you know, like I'm meeting a celebrity. Oh, my gosh, it's Jeannie Mayo. And I know most of you have never heard that name. You're like, okay, that's lame. But in my world, that was a big deal. I was doing a tour for Jeannie Mayo, and she flew in on this private jet with her pastor and three of their elders and all these leadership in their church and her two sons, and, and they were so excited to come see it. So I met them at the door and just cheesed it up, and it is such a great honor to give you this tour today. I'm so excited to do this. And, uh, and, and everything was going great. I made a strong first impression. Jeannie's a hugger. So I'd already had like two Jeannie hugs. I was feeling good. Uh, and then we got to the iPod station. Uh, and I'm explaining how an iPod works. And we had about 10 iPods lined up on one side of the basketball court and 10 on the other. And I was showing them these iPods and saying, hey, these things are loaded with about 24 hours worth of Christian music. I said, there's every, ba- every kind of band, every genre that you can imagine. And so the senior pastor, guy's about 50 years old, he speaks up and he asks, he says, hey, do they have any plus one on there? And I don't know if you guys have ever even heard of Plus One. Plus One is basically like the Christian in sync, uh, which if you can imagine, normally Christian bands that are aspiring to be a secular band, like they're going to be worse, right? So then you've got in sync is already terrible, and now you've got somebody trying to be in sync. Uh, so, so, so I'm a man's man. I'm a macho guy. I'm like, okay, this pastor's trying to make fun of it. I'm, I'm feeling him, right? I'm not into Plus One. So I said, yes, sir. Unfortunately, I think we do. Simultaneously, all 11 people on the tour gasp. <gasps> and G.D. Mayo's youngest son, who's standing next to me, leans over and he says, his son's in plus one. <laughs> Five minutes into a 45-minute tour, I have insulted the senior pastor's son and insinuated he's not a man. Uh, so very difficult start to this tour. In fact, uh, a couple of months later, for, at our staff Christmas party, my youth pastor, because of course the story got out, uh, my youth pastor brought me up in front of our whole church staff. There's about 300 people, and he honored me with a signed plus one Christmas CD. Uh, so and told told everybody the story. Um, so I say that to say this. It's amazing how important this little thing was at one point in time, how terrible it was for me, uh, but, but how important to some people, and yet today it has such little significance to most of us. Uh, in a trendy world, I believe this. I believe that the best things in life are timeless. The best things in life are timeless. You see, we, we can get caught up in all the trends, and i got to have the latest this and the nicest that and the biggest this, but, but the greatest things in life are timeless. And we all need to to realize that and and hold on to that. So without further delay, uh, let's dive in to part one and and look at today's timeless truth. We're going to see timeless truths throughout these three weeks, and and this is going to set up the whole series, give us a lens, a framework, a foundation for the series. Uh, And so the place that we start is with eternity. Eternity. We use the word timeless. There's nothing more timeless than eternity, right? Like eternity has existed from the beginning. Every human from, from the very beginning, from Adam and Eve on to us, has, has been confronted with the reality 
of eternity. Some of us have embraced it. Some of us have run from it. But all of us have to wrestle with it. And, and specifically today, I, I want to talk about this question. What is eternity like? Or more specifically, what is heaven like? And, and I think this is a very important question for us, and here's why. A recent Gallup poll showed that 81% of Americans believe in heaven. 81% of Americans believe in heaven. You know how few things there are that 81% of Americans can agree on? Um, it's election season. We know everybody's got their opinion. Everybody thinks this or thinks that. There are very, very few things that you can poll Americans on and discover 81% agree on something, yet 81% of Americans believe in heaven. However, if you ask those 81% what is heaven like, you're going to get a large variety of answers, but the most common answer is really going to be, I don't really know. Most of us don't really know what to expect from heaven. We believe it's out there. We believe it exists. We believe that, that somebody's going to get there, whether it's us or not. In fact, that's the other thing most Americans agree on is almost all Americans think they are going to heaven. Uh, we, we think there's a lot of people who aren't, but almost every American thinks, I will be there. If heaven exists, I will be there. Um, but, but how to get there and what it is actually like, there's a lot of disagreement about. Uh, and I think it's important for us to understand what heaven is like. Because if we don't, I think it's very difficult for heaven to actually impact our lives today. Heaven's kind of this murky place, this kind of distant place, this kind of dreamy place somewhere out in the future, and someday I'll find out what that thing is like, but, but right now it doesn't really impact me. As it's often been said, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die, right? We all want to make it to heaven, but we don't want to make it there today. We want to make it there somewhere far, far, far in the future, and in the process, heaven in many ways becomes trivialized. It becomes insignificant to our daily lives, insignificant to the week that we have ahead of us. And here's the problem. When heaven is trivialized, our lives can be marginalized. When heaven is trivialized, our lives become marginalized. In other words, our lives lose their significance when heaven loses its significance because the significance of your life and the significance of heaven are intricately connected. When you don't realize how important eternity is, you don't realize how important your life is. Let, let me give you so, some examples of kind of ways that it, our, our culture trivializes heaven. When we picture heaven, what kind of things do we picture? <clears throat> a lot of times we picture clouds, right? Lots and lots and lots of clouds. Heaven's kind of this dreamy place, this almost kind of sleepy place where we're floating on the clouds. Or, or maybe we picture like, hey, we're all going to be in one big room together. We, we might picture yourself in heaven or people in heaven, and there's probably one of two things that you'll picture. You'll either picture angel's wings or you'll picture choir robes, right? So, so angel wings is like the, the stereotypical picture, but then there's like the sister act picture of, hey, we're all going to be in choir robes in heaven. Um, you, you probably picture, hey, we're going to sing hymns forever. We're going to sing and sing and sing and sing and sing, and that's all we're going to do, maybe while we play on a harp with our angel wings fluttering around. Um, and when this is our mental image of heaven, here's the problem. What, what does that ultimately lead to? Heaven is boring, right? Like nobody looks at that and is like, oh my gosh, I can't wait till I can float around on a cloud with some little angel wings and a harp. Heaven is dull. Heaven is boring. That's, that's ultimately what we think. Even if we don't articulate that, even if as a Christian we would never say that, but deep down, that's the impression that we have of heaven. It's going to be this fuzzy, trance-like place that, that's really, honestly, a lot less exciting 
and important than the life that I'm living right now. Right? Like, like if we're just being real, that's the impression that so many of us have of heaven. Hollywood, of course, doesn't help us with this either. They give us this picture that heaven is a, is a big warehouse where Morgan Freeman is mopping floors. Right? For eternity. That's what heaven is like. And, and yet, I don't think that's the heaven that we see in Scripture. But, but the problem is, um, even if you're not a believer in God, we, we have these misperceptions about heaven. I grew up in the 80s, and in the 80s there was this perception that, that I think still kind of persists today. It's one of my, my, I think, the funniest myths about heaven is that, well, honestly, hell's going to be a lot more fun than heaven because all my friends are going to be in hell. Uh, hell's going to throw a better party than heaven will, right? Like, that's this, this picture that a lot of non-believers have, that heaven, man, hell might be better or might, might be worse, but at least there's going to be people that I want to spend some time with. Now, if you're a Christian, you, you probably would never say that. Hopefully, you would never even think that. But, but we all have our own doubts sometimes about what heaven's really going to be like, don't we? So, sometimes we, we express it like this. Jesus, please don't come back until I've had spring break. Please don't come back until I, I get this car. Please don't get back. I, I said this. Jesus, please don't come back until I have sex. Like, I literally said that as a Christian young person growing up. I don't want to die a virgin. Let me experience that, and then I can go to heaven. I'm just being honest, okay? And I know I'm not the only person who thought that, because I had other friends who said the same thing. You might pretend you didn't think it. But, but we want to do experience certain things before we get there, right? Because deep down inside, we think here is better than there. We think there's something that this world offers that is greater than what that world can offer us. Please don't come back until I've had kids. Please don't come back until I've gotten married. Please don't come back until I've finished whatever this is that I'm working on. I just want a little more time. And ultimately, when we say things like that, when when we feel things like that, we're buying into the myth that earth is better than heaven. And that's a dangerous place for us to be because if we believe that earth is better than heaven, we disconnect eternity from reality. We disconnect what's going to be out there from what's happening in my life today. And so what I want to do is I want to give you a message today that I believe is going to impact greatly the next seven days of your life. I believe that you're going to take something from this message that's going to change something that happens in your life this week because I want to connect eternity to your present reality. Today we're going to discover a powerful, timeless truth that's so important. It will have not only huge implications for your life and eternity, but I believe it will have implications for your week. Your business deal this week is far more important than you realize it is. Young person, when you go to school, your time at school this week is far more important than you think it is. But what you choose to do with your money this week is far more important than you realize it is. All of these little decisions and these little things that we think have nothing to do with eternity actually have a lot to do with eternity. The same is true in in marriage and relationships and friendships and life in general. When when we have the wrong mental picture of heaven, we tend tend to hang on to dear life because we're not convinced that eternity is better. And the opposite is actually true. When, when we understand Scripture, when we understand what the Bible says about eternity, it not only makes us look forward to it more, but it actually makes us look forward to the time we have on earth more and to treasure the opportunities that we have 
even this week. So, so before we go any further, let me give you a couple disclaimers for, for today's message. Uh, the first one is this. I have never been to heaven. Uh, right? Like, like I, I'm not standing up here telling you that I died and had a vision and, and I, I saw a light and, uh, and then I came back. I'm not standing here to tell you that, that God has given me like some special insight that nobody else has. That, that's not the case at all. And, and of course, you wouldn't really take a, a travel agent's opinion real seriously if they were advising you, here's where you got to go. And you're like, well, how, man, what, what happened when you went there? Well, I've never been there. You'd probably find a different travel agent or you'd go somewhere else for your trip. So, so I understand that it can be a little skeptical when, when somebody stands up and says, I'm going to tell you why heaven's so important. And you're like, well, you've never been there either. You're right. I haven't. But that's why it's not going to be based on my opinion today because I'm going to read you from the word of God. And, and God has been to heaven. In fact, that's where he lives. That, that, that's the place that he designed and he organized. So don't take my word for it. Take the word of God for it. Um, I've never been there, but, but I, can tell you, I can show you what someone said who has. Um, second disclaimer I want to give you is this. When we use the word heaven in this context, um, we're referring to, uh, to a specific place and a specific period of time. This heaven for us is going to be from the point that we die or, or move on from this life until the point when Jesus comes back, where, where we spend, where we reside in that period of time. Christ is going to return, and then there's all kinds of debate about when that happens and how that happens, and that's a different series. That's a different message. We're not going to get into that in this series. Just know that he will return, and when he does, there's some things that are going to change. So, so heaven is the period for us from, from the point that we die to the point when Jesus returns. Eternity is from today until forever. Eternity encompasses all of it, um, and, and so those words kind of can be interchangeable, but they're not really. They are distinct in many ways. Um, so to get a clear picture about this, what I wanted to do today is, is we're just going to unpack two misconceptions about heaven. Two misconceptions about heaven. Two things that, that a lot of people believe, in fact, a lot of Christians believe about heaven, that if we don't set these things right, we can't move forward through this series. We can't really discover what, what are the timeless things that we can treasure and how can we do something that, that impacts eternity until we remove these two misconceptions. Some of you may already know these things, and for you, maybe this will be review. Some of you, this will be shocking, uh, perhaps. But, but let's unpack these misconceptions. So the misconception, number one, is that believers in Jesus will spend eternity in heaven. Misconception number one. This one is huge. Misconception is that believers in Jesus will spend eternity in heaven. I believed this one for a really long time. I was raised to believe this. I was taught this in church. Um, almost everybody I knew believed this. So this was kind of mind-blowing when I started to discover in Scripture that this is not 100% accurate. See, see, in some ways it is true, but in other ways it's not true. And, and I will unpack for you what, what that means and how it's different. Um, it's controversial. But, but what I want to do is I want to look at a, a thread of verses that run both through the Old Testament and the New Testament that communicates something to us about heaven. We're, we're going to start in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet of God. He was a man called by God and sent by God to speak to God's people. Uh, in the Old Testament, that was the Israelites, and he spoke specifically to them in a, in a specific context. But, but many of the things that he taught them are applicable to us today, for us today as New Testament believers. And, and this is going to be one of them. So we're going to start in Isaiah chapter 65, late in the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah 65, 17, God says this. He says, see, 
I will create new heavens and a new earth. A new what? A new earth. That's an interesting concept because we don't spend a lot of time thinking about, I'm going to die and go to earth, right? I'm going to die and go to heaven. So what's the heaven like? Well, so why does God need a new earth? That's an interesting idea. Well, he repeats himself just to drive it home in the very next chapter. In Isaiah 66, 22, he says, As the new heavens and the new earth that I make will endure before me, so will your name and descendants endure. There it is again, the, the concept of a new earth. The, the phrase new heaven and new earth is, is monumental when we really start to understand it and embrace it. For, for us to understand heaven and, and understand eternity in heaven is going to be like we have to understand this phrase. It's really important. The phrase reverse refers to the universe as inclusive of the earth. And so, so when God's talking about the earth here, he's not just saying planet earth. He's talking about my creation. He's talking about everything that when I spoke, go all the way back to the book of Genesis. Jimmy talked about it a little while ago. When I spoke and existence came, when I spoke and matter came, when I spoke and, and I littered the universe with stars and planets and meteors and asteroids and all these things, when all that came out, that, that's what's going to be new. That's the earth he's referring to. It's very, very important. This phrase shows up generations later, over 700 years later, in the book of Second Peter, one of Jesus' closest disciples, one, one of the people who, who we know was so close to Jesus. He hearkens back to this. He echoes Isaiah in chapter 3, verse 13. He says, in keeping with his promise, his being God, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. What happens on that new heaven and new earth? Where righteousness dwells. That's the picture we have of heaven, right? Like we, we might picture fuzzy clouds and angel babies and harps and all that stuff, but, but we know heaven's the place where righteousness dwells. But Peter says a day is coming when there's a new heaven and a new earth, and inclusive of all of it, righteousness will dwell there. There's this phrase again. So, so what does it mean? What is this new heaven and this new earth? Well, there's a book by a guy named Randy Alcorn uh, called Heaven. And in this book, uh, Mr. Alcorn unpacks what, what I had actually started to discover in Scripture for myself before I even became exposed to this, but I think it's so so well said the way that he puts it, and it's such a great point. Um, he, he says that J Jesus believers in Jesus will spend eternity on earth, not in heaven. The, the majority of the time, see, when we die today, if you die today, you don't go to earth, you go to heaven, because earth is still fallen. We're still in a broken state here. God, God's not going to put you here. He's going to take you there where he is. But ultimately his plan is he's going to bring us back here. That's where we're going to spend eternity. Uh, and, and it's going to be, make a big difference for us. It, why is it so, so big? Because our mental images of heaven are so off. When, when you want to see what heaven looks like, when you want to think what is eternity going to be like, don't go outside and look to the clouds and begin to imagine floating on one of those. Go outside and look at the sunset. Go outside and look at the beach. Go outside and look to the mountains. Go outside and look at God's creation, at the beauty and the majesty and the wonder of what he placed all around you. You see, the truth is you know way more about heaven than you think you do. 
You know way more about what life is going to be like in eternity than you even realize because it's going to be in many ways very similar to what we have now, just so much better. Because you're not really going to spend eternity in heaven. You're going to spend eternity on earth. Uh, The most important and exciting aspect, of course, is that we're going to get to dwell with God on earth. We'll be in his presence. In fact, he's going to leave heaven and come to earth. He's going to make earth his home. And, and so that's what makes it heaven. So it's not incorrect to say we're going to spend eternity in heaven because we are going to spend eternity in heaven. It's just that heaven is going to be earth. Some of you, man, light bulbs going off, and some of you are like, I don't even know what you just said. Like, how, heaven is earth, and earth is heaven, and I didn't get enough sleep last night, and I need some caffeine. Uh, and, yeah, what is our pastor tripping on today? I'm I'm tripping on the Word of God because it's amazing and it's mind-blowing, and hopefully this is encouraging for you. Heaven is is a whole lot more accessible and a whole lot more understandable than maybe we think it is. Here's something else that that Randy Alcorn says in his book, in a direct quote. He says this. He said, we can say heaven will be our eternal home, or we can say earth will be our eternal home. Either of those are correct. But we shouldn't say heaven, not earth, will be our eternal home. Because the heaven in which we live will be centered on the new earth. Very put it very simply, earth will be heaven. Where you spend eternity with God, where you dwell in his presence, where, where we see this picture of the multitude worshiping him and honoring him and people from every tribe and tongue and language and all that stuff we know about heaven, that's going to be right here on earth. Uh, and maybe you're not convinced. And that's okay if you're not. So let, let me maybe prove it to you in another way. Uh, if we go back to the original language, the Greek language here, which is used here in, in 2 Peter, the word new, there are two words for new in the Greek language, the words naos and kainos. Naos and kainos. Both of these words mean new in Greek. Naos, N-E-O-S, as you see up here, um, is we often see it as a prefix in English. It's neo, right? So anything that's new will, will have neo on it. You've probably heard of neo-Nazis, which is not a good thing, but that's probably the most common example. But anytime you see neo in front of that, it doesn't mean Hitler. Neo just means new. So it's the way that, that our language operates. So neo means new. Um, it's brand new. It means created from nothing. It means, man, this thing just just rolled off the assembly line, right? Like it is brand spanking new. It's never been used. You just bought a house that's never been lived in. It's neos. It's neos, right? Like it's, it's brand new. What's interesting is in 2 Peter chapter 3, when Peter talks about the new heaven and the new earth where righteousness will dwell, he doesn't, talk, he doesn't use neos. He uses kainos. And you know what kainos means? Kainos means something that's been restored to its original intent. Something that's been restored to the original intent. So God is not just manufacturing a new earth out of nothing. God is restoring the earth he created in Genesis chapter 1. He's restoring it to its original intent, a place that is, that is worry-free, a place that is tear-free, a place that is sin-free, a place that is stress-free, a, a place that is free of sickness and death and disease. He is restoring earth back to its original intent. And then he says, and you're going to live with me there forever. It's Kanos. Maybe in this Kanos earth, and I think it's probably true. Maybe there will be an olive branch Mississippi on this Kano's earth. And, and if that is the fact, there will be a, an olive branch Mississippi with no traffic on Goodman Road. Right? Like, 
Like, imagine that. How amazing would that be? You can get anywhere you want to as quick as you need to go, right? Why? Because it's heaven. It's a new heaven and a new earth. Maybe, maybe on this Kanos earth, there will be donuts. And you'll be able to have as many donuts as you want and not worry about the calories or the fat or the carbs, right? Like, I don't know if that's the case. But what I'm saying is he's restoring it to its original intent. None of the stuff that destroys None of the stuff that corrupts, none of the stuff that harms is going to be present, but it's going to be the place where you live right now. I'm not saying you're going to live like on the same street that you live or the same house that you live. Some of you, that wouldn't be heaven at all. Like you're looking forward to something better. But, but, but it's going to be this stuff that we see. It's going to be earth. It's just going to be earth better. It's going to be earth kanos. It's going to be earth restored. Now, you hear this and you think, but you said that our discussion on heaven would change how I live my next seven days, and this is kind of cool, but I'm still not sure why this impacts my next seven days. Well, we got to unpack misconception number two to get there, and that is this. Misconception number two is what you do on this earth determines whether you go to heaven, but once you go there, it's the same for everybody. I mean, it's heaven, right? So it's perfect that you got everything that you want. You can do whatever you want. It's the greatest place, but that's actually not what the Bible teaches. Yes, what you do on this earth determines whether you'll be in heaven, but heaven will not be the same place for everyone. Scripture teaches the opposite. 2 Corinthians 5.10 is, is just one example. It says this, says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive what is due them for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now, there's two ways to take this verse. You, you can take this verse to say that when we appear before Christ, he's going to look at the life you lived He's going to look at the deeds that you have. He's going to look at, at how you treated other people and what you did when nobody was looking and how you handled that money that your boss trusted you with and, and all those things. And he's going to say either you were good enough to get into heaven or bad enough to go to hell. He's going to weigh out your, your deeds. He's going to weigh out your works and determine where you spend eternity. And a lot of people have taken it that way. The problem with this is the Bible teaches the opposite of that in a million other places. My eternity is not going to be determined by my actions. My, my, my eternity is based on the fact that Jesus Christ died in my place, paid the price for my sins, and I've placed my faith in him. So, so I'm not judged for eternity for whether I go to heaven or hell. I'm not judged by my actions. I'm judged by Jesus's. Praise God for that. So we can't take this verse this way. And when we understand that, that our actions are not going to determine whether we get into heaven or not, only our faith will determine that on Christ's actions, now we have to realize that, that once we, this is for those of us who are going to heaven, for Christians, which is who Paul's writing to, God's actually going to judge my actions. And he's going to reward me based on how I lived my life. Now, I don't know exactly how all this works. I don't know if this determines who's got the biggest house or who's got the nicest car or whose football team goes undefeated like my Washington Huskies. I don't know if that's what, what, what's going to happen, but I know this. Something in eternity is going to be determined by the way that I lived here. And the same is true for you. Something that happens on the other side of this life is going to be contingent upon how I lived my life here. To, ma to make sure you get this point, don't think I'm just taking one verse and building something from it. Paul teaches it again in Romans 14, 10. You can look it up for yourself. But he's just echoing what Jesus said in Matthew 12, 36. Jesus said this, and he went even further 
than Paul did. He says, but I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they've spoken. So I'm not just going to give an account to God for what I've done. I'm going to give an account to God for what I've said. It's funny, like we've kind of seen this come into account in in politics this year, right? People are having to give account not just for the things that they've done, but for things that they've said in the past. Those things catch up to us. Those things matter. And and so Jesus says, one day you're going to stand before me and you're going to give account for the things that you said. In other words... And this is a little bit unsettling. God's taking notes. For some of us, that's good news. Yes, God's taking notes. He sees the, the, the way that I, that I love my kid, even when, man, my kid is bad. He, he sees the sacrifice that I put in that nobody else notices. He sees how I, how I show up to the church and I, and I clean the toilets and nobody ever comes up to me and is like, praise God, the toilet was clean today. Right? Like, he sees those things that nobody else notices and nobody else credits me for. God sees those, and one day I'm going to stand before him and there's a reward coming. For some of us, maybe it's not so encouraging. I'm not here to discourage you or to put you down or, or, or to make you live in fear. I am here to let you know a day will come when we'll give an account for the things that we've done and the way that we've lived. And those things will impact what eternity looks like for us. In light of this truth, every day matters. Your attitude when you go to work tomorrow matters. What, what you do when your boss isn't looking matters. The way that you honor the authority God's put in your life matters. The, the, the things that we do when nobody's around and we're alone with the phone or the computer or the remote control matters. Our lives matter. And when we understand this, it, it cuts through this disconnect that we have between today's reality and tomorrow's eternity. And we realize that today's reality is intimately connected to tomorrow's eternity. That tomorrow's eternity, in fact, is going to be determined in many ways for us by today's reality. Every day matters. If you conduct your business deal with integrity, with excellence, and in a God-honoring way, there's coming a day that you will stand before God and hear, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Great is your reward. If you take a stand for Christ at school this week, If you stand up and say, you know what, I can't partake in that joke. I can't go to that party where those things are happening because that's not who I am because God has created me for something better. If you have the guts to do those things, there's a reward coming for you one day, even if the reward isn't in who you get to sit next to at lunch next week at school. See, every day matters. So knowing this, here's my challenge for you today. This week, make one decision at work at school, at home, in your neighborhood, and in whatever your life looks like, make one decision differently than you normally would because you have this eternal perspective. That one day I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to answer for how I handled this. It might be as simple as instead of just changing that baby's diaper, you pray over that baby. You know what? That, that might be the small step that you take. It might be as huge as, as changing the way that you operate with company money and determining, you know what? I'm not going to just use this when I know that I shouldn't, even though nobody's ever going to catch me. Nobody's ever going to know because God's going to know, and I'm going to honor him. It might, be, it might be that you decide to come home from work a little bit early and spend some time with your wife and kids. 
or, or it might be a million different things. I don't know what that's going to look like for you, but my challenge for everyone in this room is once this week, once, come to that decision point, come to that place where you've already got your routine and you've got your habits and here's who I am and this is how I operate and say, you know what, that's not how I operate anymore. Because one day I'm going to stand before God and I want him to be proud of what I did in this moment. I want God to look at me and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And if you can't think of anything, just come back next week and the week after. Because the next two weeks in this series, we're going to give you some really practical things that you can do that, that are going to connect today's reality to tomorrow's eternity. Some, some really simple things, some, I think, life-changingly important things that we can do right now that affect the future as we look at this concept of, of things that are timeless. Um, I think all of us can come up with one. I think we can all handle this challenge. But if you can't, don't give up. Don't think, hey, this series isn't for me because next week we'll start answering some things for you. This week I'm putting the ball in your court. But next week I'll start giving you some very specific things on what we can do to connect our reality to eternity. Let's pray.